0: and welcome back to another episode of the lawyers podcast how's everyone getting
1: on living the dream everyday adventure
2: yeah well the adventure's been cut short this year in all fairness with uh, lockdowns and where you are it has been a particularly rough um but we'll, we'll get into that so today we're joined by mark ryan um you well known for playing bumblebee and a variety of other transformers and that's pretty damn cool you know you know he's such an iconic character and then you got to, uh, obviously, you're not a giant robot. You just got to do voice acting firm. So, you know, we'll have, we'll have a we chat about that and all the other experiences and actor. So, again, pleasure to have you here, Mark.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
2: Of course. So, how's things where you are?
1: Um, well, like everywhere in the world at the moment, it, it's been hit and miss. You know, um, the Netherlands started out, I'm currently in the Netherlands. Uh, um, it, it, it was uh, under control. They started early. It started in March with basically a full lockdown, which meant I couldn't go to the pub gunnery. So I give me Irish pub gunneries in Alkmaar, shout out. Um, and, uh, or the Willie Scottish restaurant, by the way. And um, these are places that we frequent. We couldn't, you know, we, we couldn't go. I mean, it was locked down, but we were kind of in the midst of moving house as well. Uh, so it was doubly a bit of a bind, but... Um, to be honest with you, I haven't found the isolation that much of a problem. I mean, as a writer, you tend to uh, be isolated anyway, lock yourself away. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, And um, just sit there and and, and work. So last year for me was mostly writing um, and developing stories and ideas for TV shows and for comic books. We got The Pilgrim out there, which did really well and develop that into a TV show. So um, it, that part of it has not been uh, that difficult. And we've been, my, my wife and I have been very sensible. I mean, it's not, to us, it's not rocket science. Mm. Just wear a mask, you know, use the sanitizer, <clears throat> and just be sensible about these things. But um, I guess that some people really miss the social life and so they miss a pint in a chat with their mates and they, and they just can't, you know, I understand it's it's tough and it's difficult, but um, at the time we were also nursing an elderly uh, uh, my wife's mother, but, and so we, we just couldn't take the risk because if she'd have got it, it would have made her very, very sick. <clears throat> um, so we've just been very, very sensible, to be honest with you. Um, and other than the odd trip out, we, we have a little boat here that go out, we go out on the lake. So you can't get much more so- socially distancing than being on a boat in the middle of a lake. Yeah, and um, that's that's to me is my little bit of an escape and my little bit of heaven, and so I was very. We've been kind of okay with it, so. But I understand that people have, have really struggled with it, and the only problem is um, that's how it's got spread, and uh, I guess I've been doing work on uh, viruses in terms of telling stories and and writing like the Pilgrim is about a virus. I understood about airborne um, viruses and, and the mutations and stuff like that. So I had a little bit of knowledge enough to go, I don't like the sound of this. Um, let's just be sensible. Let's just hunker down and see what happens. And so about a month before uh, this all really blew up, I was speaking to pals in London who were on tube trains, you know, and hopping and about and wandering around London. And I was going, why are you not locking down? What is going on there? So it seemed like a total communication failure in the UK. I don't mind saying that it's an embarrassment. Um, and uh, then it came full bore. Now here they've they've they had it under control. I think people got a little bit bored about not having to be having to be able to social life. Because the Netherlands is very much like Ireland, very much like the UK. It's all about the pub. It's all about the restaurant. I'm but, glad to hear. Mm-hmm.
2: I said, I'm glad to hear.
1: Oh, yeah, no, sure. No, I mean, it's, it's, they call it Boral Society here, which is on Friday afternoon. You can't find anybody in their offices on a Friday afternoon. They're all down the <laughs> pub. No, seriously. Uh, but it is, you know, the hospitality industry, the hotels, the pubs, the restaurants, the clubs, and stuff like that, particularly in Amsterdam. I'm not in Amsterdam, but it was out of Amsterdam. It's all about that and the tourist trade. And so it's absolutely crippled that business, as you can imagine. Um, oh yeah. But there is that social thing here, and certainly during the winter, when the weather here is very much like Ireland, and very much like Northern England, it's very grey and damp and rainy and cold. You want to go into a pub and have a have a steak sandwich and a pint, and um, they've had to just cl- close that down because people then started to go back and do that, and of course it's we're now in, in a second wave, and it's. Pretty serious.
2: Second Pretty wave.
1: Serious.
2: Yeah, we have one of those. Now we're on our third. That's the worst we've ever had. It is uh, I, god awful.
1: I can't, I don't mind saying this to anybody that's out there that's listening. But don't start me about queuing on because I'll go com- completely off the rails. Anybody that thinks that this is a hoax, you need help. Because we know at least two people that have died of it, I have good friends of mine that have had it, and they said it's the worst thing they've ever had in their lives, and that um, at least two people that I know that are close pals said, "Oh no, I didn't think I was going to make it. I thought I was not going to get. I was so weak I couldn't get out of bed." So anybody that thinks that this is a hoax or so it's not real or it's some kind of conspiracy or whatever, don't, just be sensible. This is this is a very very dangerous virus if you happen to have a, uh, a, 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 an immune system, which is compromised in any way. And, um, you know, you can see what's happening in Los Angeles. I can't even get back to LA. Even if I wanted to get back to LA where mm-hmm. my other home is, uh, I wouldn't go back there right now. I can't. All the hospitals are full. And this is, again, because of people going, oh, I don't need to wear a mask. We can just go out and wander around Huntington Beach. And God yeah. knows what else. and do what You, you can't. This thing will kill you. And if it doesn't kill you, and you give it to somebody else, it's going to make them very sick and/or mm. kill them. So, come on, guys, let's just get this together. Start thinking about this sensibly.
2: There's, there's it's a new virus.
1: We're on the know. same
2: page here. Yeah.
0: There seems to be this huge debate about masks in general. That you know, it, it doesn't take that long. You know, you're, if you're going shopping, it doesn't kill you to wear a mask. And you see so many videos of people protesting to them. You know, screaming their heads off. It's it's
1: unnecessary. Yeah, they, they, the Um, the big sales thing is uh, one of the big um, changes. Albert Hines, and they have literally have people wiping down the handles of the trolleys. You can only have, go in with one trolley each. Everybody has to wear a mask. They won't let you in if you don't have a mask. It's no, sorry wear them or don't come in they yeah. wipe down the trolley so whatever we use the gel anyway before we go in there's a bottle before you squish your hands or whatever and that was the same with Primark or all the big stores they were doing the whole you had to do that and if you didn't do that before you went in they wouldn't let you in they go sorry go do your hands so you yeah. have to do your hands you have to wear your mask just simple you know this is not you know a freedom thing really it's not i mean the reason that you wear a mask in a hospital is because it's it's preventing you breathing um germs onto somebody that might be sick in a hospital and also breathing in it's simple it's just a simple barrier now it may well be that you can contact it from a surface whatever i believe you can so that's why you wash your hands and you use that um the the the, the, the stuff just just do it it's this is uh it's crippling the world's economy at this rate, as well as. Oh, ours. good
2: luck ever recovering. <laughs> but I, when, when people talk about like the economy and like we should prioritize that, it's, it's a bit rough, a bit um, out there. You you want to be thinking about people and how they're going to recover.
1: And I think there was. Don't get me started on this on Cummins, Um I think there is, there's kind of a, was a, a, a right-wing thought, let's put it that way, politically, both in America and the United Kingdom, about this herd. I heard this being talked about last year, very early on, about herd immunity. And again, the only reason I knew a bit about herd immunity, because I've written stuff like The Pilgrim, which has got you know a virus in it, and so I'd studied the various things, things of this. And I was going, but herd immunity only really kicks in if you've got maybe 80%, 70 or 80% of the population has actually caught the virus. And then then you're building up enough, you know, resistance within the social network that you, you're going to be able to build a, a resistance to it. But that means out of whatever in America, as we now know, 360 million people, if 1% die, that's 360,000 people that will die. But that's exactly where we are in the United States right now. There are 360,000 people that are are, killed. And I get into arguments with people going, yeah, but they had underlying things, they had this or they had that or they had whatever. And I'm going, all right, make it 50%, make it it 200,000. Let's be generous. Let's make it hundred and fifty thousand. Let's make it hundred thousand. You're talking about a hundred thousand dead in the, yeah. you know, we're actually up to three hundred and sixty, and they're out now looking at a hundred thousand in the UK.
2: Yeah,
1: this is there this was this big COVID. thing
2: of people saying that they, they were, uh, were they getting, getting financial aid if they marked it as a COVID debt. I don't, don't really believe that, but. Uh,
1: well, even if that is true, I mean, let's just say that it's true, and um, a couple of people that I know that have actually have had relatives that have passed away um, during the course of this, uh, they what finally did them in was COVID, but they did have other. Um, problems yeah. so they had other problems but who knows how long they would have gone for if the covid hadn't finished them off so they're kind of given the option do you want the covid or do you want to say it was this now some i've had one panel of mine say i said what did you do he said no i said put it down as the as the, the cause that they had been treating blah, blah 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 that that killed him he got the covid but we don't want to put that down <clears throat> um but there's no doubt it contributed you know to, yeah. to to the person's death so this stuff is just all oh, they just put it down because they want more money. Uh, right now, at this moment in time, there isn't a hospital bed to be had in Los Angeles County. I, if that really the profit that? motive is, then obviously that's pretty sick. And they've got a different system in the United States, as I know to my cost. But, um, if it's ju- if it literally seriously that that then that is. It's just an awful thing to even contemplate. But I don't believe that. I know people that work in the National Health. I've got mates that are just tearing their hair out in the National Health in the UK, going half the staff are sick. We're doing double, triple uh, things in the uh, 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 stints because half the staff are sick. And if the nurses and the staff get sick, who's going to take care of the sick people? Yeah. This is what, you know, so anyway, yeah, it seems to be a. um, Sorry to go on about that. I, you know, we've been been very careful for Mm. personal reasons, I say, with an elderly uh, sick person that did pass away as it happened, not a COVID um, or something else. Uh, But we were just being careful, and that kind of, I think, trained our mind to just go, let's not, let's just carry on Mm. with this until this injection is available. Mm. And it's proven to work, and and you know you're not going to have a backlash from some kind of allergic reaction. We're just being sensible and careful, and it, and it's not been that difficult. But you know. yeah, I feel sorry for anybody that's out there that is you know is is really suffering. And as I say, I've got mates that have suffered, and they said, "You don't want this. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't want this. This is not fun." So,
2: yeah, we have a friend uh, from the podcast. He's had it twice. Poor lad. And in the end, he was okay. It was the first time he barely noticed it, and then the second time it got got doing pretty bad. Really? Yeah.
1: Um, I thought you yeah, could. That's it? what I, I thought, thought as well. Well, they're just saying today that if you've got it, it gives you like eighteen months of immunity or nine months of immunity or something like that. But again, there's some bloke on the telly the other day I was watching, and it's it like three times in the space of a year. So. I, I, you go, well, what is, I don't know. It's difficult to know yeah. half the time what the truth is. I mean, you try and go by who and uh, the World Health Organization and, um, and the experts, you know, Fauci and stuff like that, it seems to be a sensible bloke. Yeah. Um, but some of the other, what shall I say, misdirection, um, to be kind, um, or, you know, deflection, is, has bordered to me on the criminal. Mm. you know and the
2: amount of fake news that goes towards it yeah bring that up <laughs> yeah we're, we're media students uh so we had to do uh, you know an essay on fake news um, obviously the covid came up um I, I avoided politics so i went really deep into covid and um you know there's there a lot of fake news with us like no, the please. debt rates um of one percent that, that's a lie in itself that can be 30 times higher in um poorer countries uh, and they're not that they were accounting for only first world countries when they initially said that omissions of facts you know they're at someone's expense
1: yeah i you know I, I guess at some point proceedings will know really how this started um but again it's there's a lot of short sighted uh, populism going on at the moment in the world and the idea is that the populist politicians get rid of all the experts because they don't like to be told the truth or don't actually be given you know mm. A, a, a briefing on something, and we can see where that has led, yeah. you know. Um, the reason that we hire scientists and specialists, that, that kind of thing, is because obviously their advice is going to be something you want to take on board if it, if it fits. But to just hollow out organizations like um, they did with the, the Wuhan uh, team that was there, part of uh, Barack Obama's team, that he sent there specifically to watch, um, the, the, what was going on there, and work with the Chinese on their viral research, and then of course uh, Trump pulls the financing and brings them back. So guess what happens? We, we yeah. don't know really what, what, what Now, the, at some point in the proceedings, we're going to know what the truth is, but you know we don't have it at the moment.
2: Yeah, and it's hard for some people. But look, Mark, I'm glad that you got you know your creative outlet with your writing. I'm glad yourself and your wife are safe. Thank you. Uh, We ourselves are safe. So I hope everyone listening is in the same situation that we're all a okay. If you're not,
1: just be sensible. Best of luck. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But yeah, um, so with Pilgrim, you got an idea of how airborne viruses work. Yes. uh, Obviously, you know, the timing is unreal. You know, did the research and then here we are
1: as rough. Well, uh, what was even weirder was it's actually an airborne um, weaponized version of Ebola so, um, which in itself is a difficult thing to uh, people get their heads around and I wanted to make it something that was scary in its own um, way but, but actually people weren't going to go down the garage and try and make it and so um, <laughs> try and see if they can manufacture it <laughs> and so in in the Pilgrim it's an airborne Version of Ebola because Ebola is a blood-to-blood, you know, transfer type um, a, a, a viral disease. So um, we made it a weaponized version just because it, you know, it's a scary thing to have as a as a weaponized know, virus sounds scary. Yeah, you, know, so. uh, you know, so that's what we. But again, to do to write that stuff, i and um, and Palomine Jason Connery was working on a, a film called Pandemic and uh he asked me what i knew about it and i just happened to have a bunch of books about it so it kind of reminded me of all of this stuff some years ago so he's he, i lent him a couple of books and i had on you know viral studies and all that kind of stuff what yeah. did you uh
0: think of that new trailer *Sunbird*? have you seen the trailer i think Michael. no i
1: haven't Bird. to be honest with you i've been a bit um remiss in fact i just did a film this morning We did a press thing for uh, uh, the Berlin film, uh, independent film thing, for uh, the reckoning, and haven't seen that either. So Neil Marshall, but you see the reason that nobody's seen it is because they can't show it. So poor old Neil, we did this film, and it's you know over a year ago. And he sent me a link and he said, you better, you, we better do this thing, you better see it. And he sent me about 20 minutes before we did the interview this morning, so I said, I've got time to watch it. So to be honest with you, I, I've been a bit remiss about watching uh, TV uh, stuff, um, really. I've been glued, I must be honest with you, to the TV, to the machinations that have been going on news-wise in just about every other arena. Um, whether it's CNN or MSNBC, I, I, I've been glued to that. But I'm, i I have to do some catching up with that type of show. Mm. Yeah.
2: Like, uh, well, I've got time the to catch up with things right now. So
0: have you seen yeah. the trailer? Just like
2: uh, yeah, the, I've seen it.
0: And COVID in four years. Yeah. Like, basically, years like, if, if you're not immune, they, they they shoot on site if you're caught outside your house. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some people in the states. I'm not okay. I'm, not, I'm discriminating with the states. I'm sure there's some people out there who think that could be a reality someday, but mm. it's not. That's kind of out there. It's being I think that, that, that's the point of it, it's just to be like the most out there possible. Mm. We could be watching that like in the same year, and COVID's long dead. And, you know, I seen I see one tweet, it was great. And it was like, you know, five years from now, you could be putting on a jacket and you find a mask in your pocket and you're thinking, like, what a crazy time that was. You know, when we're all back to normal.
1: Yeah, it'll happen because, I mean, God above, I grew up, you know, I'm, you know, oh, I'm 39 plus and um, I've been 39 for the last 20 years. So, uh, you always drink quality alcohol. There you go. That's the secret. See,
2: we we preach this, but people don't listen. I'm glad you're here, Mark.
1: It, it preserves. See, see the... we're in our
0: 40s. People don't understand this. <laughs>
2: Oh my god!
1: It preserves the inner, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, and uh, I remember being at school. We were just talking about it, about having a, a, all the other stuff, mumps, and all the other stuff that was out there. And they used to go to school. He used to give each other a sugar lump. You know, they pop a sugar lump with whatever stuff they were trying to kill off. But it worked. It worked. It, we, you know, we didn't have any um, uh, all of that stuff that's out there that. that chicken pox and all that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. or if you had it you know that you had a little small dose of it and that was it that made you immune so um this again about not wanting to take a shot is because some people genuinely believe that there's a chip in it and they want to chip a lot
2: of people who are like oh wait a while and i'll see about it i think that's kind of a weird attitude it's, it's been out for a while people have been taking this for i don't know the kids could be taken for over a month at this point and they've been okay well they're so all zombies people saying down. like we're, they're gonna hold on uh until they know a the few people who have it it's, it's a bit out there and the chip idea the bill gates chip idea it's just it's just it's it's hilarious you could write a movie about it it just there you go there's a bit of well, people idea. have
1: been also even here, and I guess maybe in the UK as well, people are blowing up five G cell towers because they believe. Really? I remember. I remember. I hear stories about that. That's, they're, that's, they're, that's they're, they were destroying
0: five G cell towers because right. <laughs> they thought it was mind control. Yeah, like my, my mom's had the vaccine. She she's a she's a nurse, and every time she walks to the room, my phone goes from four G to five G. It's great,
1: like <laughs> it's, it's terrific. Yeah. But uh, ben- yeah.
0: people don't understand the benefits of this thing.
1: <laughs> it speeds up your speeds up your you know internet. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly, there you go. Thank you. It's it's
0: like uh, they talk about the mind control thing, but faster internet is not a bad price
1: to pay. No, you can only <laughs> stream episodes of black sales or see you know what I mean. They help me with my royalties and just you know crack <laughs> on or try a transformers film every time you uh, do that. Well you know.
2: There you
1: go. What was it like doing black sales? Oh that was a
2: huge show when it came out, and then, like, its, it's legacy still holds on. It, it's kind of in the same realm as, like, Vikings would be.
1: Um, it actually reminded me, in many ways, uh, of Robin of Sherwood, not that I want to go back to, you know, uh, that particularly, in, 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 unless you do. I mean, obviously, kind did the music. There's a whole story about that. But um, it reminded me, the atmosphere reminded me the same, because you... Kind of become aware that you're doing something really unusual. And when we did Robin and Sherwood, we all had that feeling, you know, we all kind of got it. We, I don't know, and we gelled as a group very strongly Ray, Clive, Jason, and I, Michael, everybody, we, Judy, everybody gelled, Nikki, Grace, and it, 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 we became a very tight little unit. And even to this day, Ray, Clive, Jason, and I, we're very, we're very close mates to these days, to this day. And everybody you know um, uh, we still talk to each other birthdays and just cheer each other even during these lockdown days. And I have felt the same about black sales um, and Toby and I, I mean more different characters you could get you couldn't get to playing mates supposed to have been guys that have known each other for years and I mean Toby comes from theatrical television royalty. I mean, his mum is Maggie Smith, you know, um, and his dad, Sir, you know, uh, um, was a, uh, was, a, was literally a, 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 a king of the West End and, and Royal Shakespeare Theatre. So Toby came from a very difficult, different background to me, you know, musical theatre, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. And we got on like a house on fire. And uh, <laughs> I could say every day we giggled like little schoolgirls most of the time. It was an embarrassment on the set, because we were just like, we're pirates, uh, uh, <laughs> we're both. Like, so cool. Oh, <laughs> just Big butch pirates. And um, it was great. And uh, the scale of the thing, obviously Michael Bay being involved, uh, the scale was just off the planet. I mean, they built two full-sized galleons that were sitting in this um, tank That they dug in Cape Town, South Africa, specifically for the show, and um, they built. Crazy! dedication! Oh, it it was unbelievable. And when you were actually on the boat, they built them. I don't know how many tons they actually were, but they built them on these massive hydraulic gimbals, so that they could actually rock the boats. Oh! These gimbals. Well, if you were inside the boat and not able to look out the window and see the horizon, which is not you, you got seasick. And a lot of the makeup girls and wardrobe girls couldn't actually be on the boat because if, if they were locked in while we were filming, they felt seasick because of the, the motion. And that's what makes you sick because you can't see the horizon. Your brain mm-hmm. can't make sense of it. So um, uh, the scale of it was just monumental. The writing was brilliant. And because of the relationships between us as a group, I think a lot of it came out extraordinarily well. And I had some of the best dialogue ever written for a character, probably that I'm ever going to get. You know, I've been extraordinarily lucky with that kind of thing. Mm. So it has the same. Um, it has the same, to me, aura as Robin of Sherwood, which has a life even to this day. Mm. It's Robin is still a cult show, you know, thirty-seven years later or something. So. Jeez. You know,
2: it's impressive sometimes. You know people make a show and it bombs. And then there's ones like the one you've done, you've done there and it's just, it's going to stick around forever. It just, it's just going to be constantly looked back on or used to compare other things in similar genres. Um, but it's amazing to see. And it's obviously wasn't your, your first thing with uh, Michael Bay, yourself and himself with um, Transformers.
1: Ten years with Michael I've had. You know, we did, I've worked on all the five films that he, um, directed I'm on the set with him a lot of people don't understand this they say what well, when do you do the voices do you go i said no no i do it on the set so for a decade basically all five films i've been because it's like a two-year cycle um i've been on the set coming up with voices and being different robots i've been everybody on the set i've been optimus transform and roll out i've been everybody on the set and um megatron and and the, the journey, the, the, to me, the, the technical side of it, working with um, Industrial Light Magic, watching how they developed you know, the computer-generated stuff over that, that decade. Originally, I think, on the third film, or did we have it on the second film? We, we had a 3D camera on the second film. It was literally the size of a Tyrannosaurus Rex because it was on a, on a huge thing, gimbal with a crane and a mm. massive thing with two cameras side oh, by side. That's crazy. And by the time we got to the, the last film, Michael could literally pick up the 3D camera like a, like a, a, a briefcase and run around with it. You know what I mean? It, it went from that to that within the space of us making five films. And um, the, the rendering and the detail that they're able to do and I def- i am very happy to defend the Transformers films. I mean, I think it was an enormous achievement.
2: I don't think they need defending. I think they're pretty okay. Yeah, oh,
1: they're, they're you know—you'd you'd be surprised. I mean, I do get the odd hate mail because I'm not a Volkswagen Golf, you know, a Volkswagen Beetle, and and, a, Just, and a, say, why, "Why did you choose to be a Camaro?" I went, "I didn't choose to be a Camaro. <laughs> what, what's was what to do with me." Um. So yeah, I know it was a lot of groundbreaking stuff, and I got to work with amazing people you know yeah as is McDorman, you know which as
2: an actor is always a pleasure
1: oh my god you know if you're, if you're working
2: with co-stars <laughs> who are garbage you know it's not gonna be very good <laughs> but if you're working with you know top of the line you know polished actors
1: you're gonna be doing pretty okay john tuturo he brought in some some brilliant people to <clears throat> to work with you know and I, and I had the honor to be able to stand there on the other side of the camera with Michael here and them there and the sound guys here and a microphone <clears throat> and occasionally got to invent something like lockdown it was completely literally a spur-of-the-moment thing that um, a, a true story you know I was sitting literally waiting to go down into this quarry um, where we were shooting a scene with Mark Wahlberg and, and I, I I'd done so many different voices from when we first started I was reading the dialogue and trying to come up with something. Um, you just got zapped by a Dalek or something, unless that's, that's me that did that. Um, uh, and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was looking at the dialogue, and, and as I was watching it, I was had a TV going in the room, and there's an advert uh, that plays in America for Jaguar cars. And uh, the advert just came on, and it goes, why are all the bad guys in Hollywood films? Why do they all have English accents? Is it because of a certain sense of style? Is it a certain sense of... Literally this advert for Jaguar cars. And I suddenly heard Anthony Hopkins in my head who gave me some advice (laughs) years ago. And so I kind of went, oh, a bit of Anton Sugar and a bit of Anthony Hopkins, a bit of, you know, Hannibal the Cannibal and a bit of Anton Sugar. Okay, let's try it. And uh, we had... on the set, these two huge sound boxes so that I can have the mic and I can do the dialogue so everybody can hear it, including the other actors. Uh, and I have a headset so I can hear direction and what's coming from mic and all that kind of stuff. And um, we had the Cayenne Porsche car with the camera on top and I was running at the side of the car with them all mic'd up with the hand mic, looking at the monitor because he wanted me to time the dialogue to the explosion where Ratchet gets killed. So it's a very dramatic moment, you know, and they're going to paint in Ratchet getting killed and everything. But I'm running at the side of the Cayenne, and I'd said to the guys, I said, they said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't really know yet. I said, well, I want to try something. I'm going to do it really, really quietly. So can you whack up the sound on the set so that the speakers knock this sound out? And we were in this um, old harbour, Area that was part of that hollowed out in the rock and everything. Massive whole thing. So as we started to do this, and I got the, the cue from Michael to start doing the dialogue with the timing was, I just literally went, you know, autobolts, decepticons, always making a mess. And then I have to clean it up. Literally as quiet as that. But because the mic was wired up to these huge. Pink Floyd bass pin South things. This voice, this thing sounded like the voice of God. And it ended, <laughs> literally, it sounded like the sky had opened up and gone, Autobots, Decepticon. Literally, and everybody on the set went, Oh my God. What is that? Yeah, and it was massive. It was literally these huge bass bins that made this noise, and everybody looked at me, and I thought, "Oh gosh, <laughs> I wonder what what effect that's had. And I looked at Michael because he was actually right next to me. We were running together by the side of the thing. He looked at me, and he went, <laughs> <laughs> so I went, okay, we're, we're we're in the right we're in the right ballpark." So. So that kind of create, helping to create a character like Jetfire, you know, I have a bit of input into Jetfire as well uh, and that kind of stuff. And um, sometimes they fill my face and they plant it onto the character. Like if you look at lockdown, you'll see it's very much my face and they mapped it and digitally, you know, all that kind of stuff. 10 years of, of, of literally right on the edge of, of um, cutting edge of the business. And again, working with people like Anthony Hopkins, you know it's, it's just amazing experience who, who recognized me, would you believe, from 1981 or something? You know, first time I met him.
0: I watched that interview you did earlier on where you told the story of him giving you advice and then he recognized where he gave you it that. that must have been that
1: extraordinary, extraordinary. And he, he tested me, he wasn't he didn't he tested me because he said, I knew I'd seen you, I know we'd met before. He said, But was it um, was it the strand or was it? Uh, Soho, and I said it was Soho, was it Dean Street or was it um, uh, uh, the other one, uh, the other street next door, um, where where the theatre is, the Evita theatre is, anyway, can't for the name's going out of my head, and I said, I think it was Dean Street, I think it was, not Wardour, Wardour Street or Dean Street, I think it was Dean Street, and he went, and what did I tell you? And I told him what he told me, and he went, that's what I would have told you. So, very interesting, he remembered, he said, I never forget a place. I never forget a face. And uh, he said it's, uh, he was great. He was great. Fair was
2: Um Yeah, with with the character of, of Lockdown, um, I thought one thing that kind of freaked me out was that he turned his, you know, his face into a, a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <and laughs> I remember I watched it in cinema with my dad when I came out. And I'm just kind of sitting there like, why doesn't anyone else do this?
1: I, uh, I, turn... I thought it was really cool,
2: but it kind of put, gave me some shock at the start. I, I do that in the pub, but I, I turn-
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a head on him like a cannon. But, uh, no, I turn it into a snorkel. <laughs> you know? I <clears throat> <laughs> oh, turn it to a snorkel, it's easier. It's just- a... <laughs>
2: There you go. Jeez. It sounds like you love the pub a little bit.
1: Oh, you know, I, I, do, I do enjoy a pint, uh, you yeah. know, not so much the pints anymore, because I, I do love the pints, but, um, you know, particularly the Guinness, I do like the Guinness, uh, but I, I just have to pace myself, you know, when you, when you get a little bit older, you know, you, um, it's not so easy to work it off anymore, so yeah. I, I'm more in the wine now, I'm more of a, of a wine, a white wine or a red wine, you
2: know, yeah. right And where do you prefer to get your wine from?
1: Uh, we usually buy it. I mean, we, or obviously, if I'd go to a pub and have a glass of wine or something, but you know, you usually go and buy it here so that we can, I like to have a sitting, it's one of my guilty pleasures to have a glass of wine of an evening shouting at the television. You know what I mean? My wife's very tolerant with me. She just puts her earphones on and watches There
2: you go. <laughs> Midsummer
1: Murders um, or something, you know what I mean? And I'm screaming and shouting at CNN or whatever. So, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I, like, I do like a glass of television. <laughs>
2: It, you know, it's it's crazy how Americanized the world has gotten. Yeah, uh, we talk about this a lot. Like, you know, you could you couldn't have a clue. Sometimes you wouldn't have a clue what's going on in your own government, but you have like detailed knowledge of what's going on in the states and huge opinions about it. And um, it, it's it's a weird phenomenon. Um, I only realized it one like one day when I was having a chat with my girlfriend about American politics. We're like, oh, what's what's the Irish equivalent to that? Uh, nothing absolutely nothing came to mind for either of us
1: well it's, it's i guess it's one of the things that frightens people about globalization if people are frightened of globalization but you know i think what broadens people's mind and acceptance um of different cultures and different ways of life is travel and I've been very lucky to have been, actually been paid to travel, to go to work, you know? So, I, I've, the travel broadens your horizons, you know what I mean? And, Absolutely. and, and it, you realize there is another world out there, mm-hmm. um, other than the one that you, you live in, in the local village or the local, you know, local and, uh... whatever. And South Africa, again, going to Cape Town, to me was a, an amazing experience. I'd been to Africa before, but I'd not been to South Africa, and obviously Cape Town was one of those places that it's just a unique place. Mm-hmm. So to be working down there for a year was was uh, absolutely gobsmacking. But you get to see the real poverty, and you get to see the the obscenity of the wealth, and um, uh, you get to see that dichotomy of a society that's kind of doing well and 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 pushing forward and and there's always going to be people that fall by the wayside uh and it reminds you you know that there is a different world out there beyond your own you know the world your own village sort of thing
2: yeah and from you know from small town ireland you know i guess from people from our town or thomas's village it's so it's so weird to say village to americans They're like are, are you kidding is it actually a village They're little huts <laughs> and everything but yeah like yeah, what's... You know, I said small life England, small, small life um, Ireland to be very similar. You know, you wouldn't be thinking about these things or your, your holiday is to Spain. Your holiday might be you go to France once and then you leave it at that. that, that that's your exotic trip. Hmm. Or Italy, if you want to go crazy.
1: I live in Valley Village in Los Angeles and trust me, it looks nothing like your village. Trust me, it's not, It's nothing like you would think a village should be. But Thomas the... has
2: two stores church three pubs tree, tree pubs and also okay. one, one of those stores is like a like a gas station so mm. and then I
0: have uh, two takeaways as well in case you're hungry everything you need
1: like yeah, there you go
2: yeah we, we got sushi here recently in my town and uh not a hit with the locals in all fairness but uh, <laughs> uh no because we're, their... we're, we're landlocked as well it's, it's, it's a bit weird um But yeah, they only do delivery and they they plan on only ever doing delivery. Like they're never going to like have tables inside. It's kind of weird. Takeaway sushi only. How crazy Take is that? Away sushi. I don't nowhere.
1: mind some sushi, but you've got to just make sure that it's fresh and all that kind of stuff. But if you're mm-hmm. landlocked, it's obviously not coming straight out of the... Unless there's a lake or something nearby. Yeah. The <laughs> there's
2: a canal. It's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, there's a canal. But if the fish is coming from that, I do not want that in my body. No, because people... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> like, the stuff you find in there is unreal. Yeah. With the amount of like, beer bottles in there, it's, it's where the fish are having... A better time than us. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, with the sushi thing, it kind of goes back to the pubs as well. Like, you wouldn't enjoy drinking at home as much as you would the, uh, like, the, the night the in the crack. pub. The crack. The crack. You exactly. Have the crack. You want to be having the crack. And um, the crack's kind of dead at the moment, in all fairness. The experiences yeah. of, like, going to restaurants or pubs is gone. And that kind of dulls it for some people. Like you get a bit of fun if you get a takeaway, but, you know, even at home I've found myself, if I'm making the same stuff all the time, like same dinners, it's going to be the same. It's just going to be garbage. You know, no, no excitement anymore.
1: Well, it, it will turn. It, it, you know, I do have faith in that, but what, the world's going to be different. I mean, somebody that's flown as much as I have around the world, Um, I know it's going to be different. I have no desire to get on an airplane at the moment and sit with, you know, 300 people for 12 hours and then breathe in circulated air or next to somebody or whatever. I just don't have that desire. I'd rather sit it out and wait until, you know, this is really settled down a bit. Mm. So the world's going to be different. Shopping is different already. The high street is different already. But to what end do you think? Sorry?
2: I said to what end do you think, like, What do you think that stops? Like, Are we going to be wearing masks in hospitals forever now? Oh, I I can see us wearing masks for years. I think that's actually not too bad. That's probably safer and something we wouldn't have thought about.
1: Um, I think by the end of this year, we'll probably get a good idea of of where things are. Um, Mm. Maybe by the summer, we'll get an indication of where things are headed Mm. and whether they've got control of it or not. But even if, if somebody was saying yesterday, I was listening to somebody talking about getting the uh, the vaccine out in the United States, they would say, well, even if we get it out massively, even if Biden goes tomorrow, get all of this vaccine out there, it's going to take a month to basically get it distributed and start getting it into people's arms. And then you've got to have a, another month where you wait for the second vote. So even if by the end of this month, Biden tomorrow said, right, we're doing it end of this month, get it out there. You've got to ship it out, get it out into people's arms. You're talking about a month, then you're talking about another month, February, March, Mm. April, before you actually see any real result, whether the curve starts to come down. And um, uh, so we're talking about May, maybe before we we get a real grip on are the numbers dropping, is the infection rate dropping? If you look at the world
2: overall, it's not. It's still on the rise.
1: It's still on the rise.
2: And there's been very few moments that it stopped. And it's actually amazing with where you can see all the times America has peaked because they're very they're very noticeable peaks in the uh, the church. but no, yeah. it's it's not going down yet. So, sadly,
1: so I think we're looking at probably certainly the summer before we even get a glimmer of where this is going, and probably um, late summer, you know, fall before we we if we're going to get it under control by then. And certainly, some of the restrictions are still going to be on till the end of this year. That's that's as far as I can see. I mean, I have to. I'm going to go back to the states at some point in the proceedings. so I'll probably be flying back there, you know, July or something. So hopefully, um, you know, there, there are enough there will be planes to get on because at you the know. moment the, the airlines are, are, are struggling. So you know, it's going to change a lot of things. It's going yeah. to change a lot of things, and, and it's going to take a while to turn it around. I have no doubt we will I just it's going to be it's going to change things
0: yeah I uh, think we're not, expected to be vaccinated uh, by September is true?
2: Like um, most of Ireland, October I, I, I haven't been keeping up with that to be honest like, where, I kind of like to avoid it yeah avoid the news if, if they show up tomorrow and offer it to me I don't care where it goes just give it to me <laughs> 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 I honestly don't care um uh, look, I'll be walking around giving people five G. That's gonna be great.
1: You can just radiate five hey, G walking around. You know what I mean? Be careful though that someone doesn't want to decide to set you on fire because you know, if you are radiating it, you might be trying to read people's minds. That's the other thing that, you know.
2: Yeah, that's, no, that, that's another perfect. thing. Um, but my tinfoil hat says otherwise. You know what I mean? Take notes.
1: It'll protect uh, you.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, that's a story in itself. But as an actor, how how has this lockdown affected you? Like, are you doing all your work from home or are you just taking time off?
1: Um, I've got, well, I, I've been very, very lucky. You know, it's funny because Ray Winston and I, we were talking one night with some mates and I keep saying lucky and I get told off for saying lucky because Ray said, Marky, okay, Marky, okay, you're not lucky, my son. You make your own luck. And I said, well... Right, well, you know, then we've been fortunate then in our careers. And he oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, well, we have been fortunate because we, there's plenty of barriers in this business to get from A to B. There's plenty of things in the way to do what you want to do. I said, we've been very lucky that we, you know, he said, yeah, do you know why? And I said, I don't really. I've often asked myself that question. He said, because we didn't know the barriers existed. So for us... They just didn't get in the way. We went straight through. And I thought about what he said. Uh, it took me a while. And I went, you know what? He's absolutely right. Mm. If you actually don't see the negative, if you don't see the barriers or the you know, thing to get from A to B, you tend to just keep going and the barriers don't exist for you. Because I've had people say to me, well, you went from Evita right? A, you stepped into Evita in the West End, legendary West End show with Harold Prince to Who Dares Wins to Robin Sherwood to the, you know, this, this how did that happen? I said, I don't really, I don't really know. I just travelled hopefully and if I was given a job where it was working with Bob Anderson on first night whatever, you just try and do it to the best of your abilities and enjoy it and learn from it. So that's been kind of my Philosophy, um, but it's uh, as as a writer as well. I've written like three books about the history of tarot cards and the imagery and the psychology of Celtic, you know, imagery and stuff like that. And so um, I've always written, and it's not a big step for me. I enjoy all three, whether it's writing, singing, the musical side of stuff, or or, or, or acting. All three are the same to me. It's all the same process um different outcomes and all that kind of stuff but 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 so writing to me has been good so this year i've been able to we've got like three projects in development with companies in los angeles um that hopefully one of them will would, 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 all of them will get picked up i hope one of them would do uh would do um and they're all interesting shows so one of them you know is we try and obviously develop the program as a tv show so we're working on that and um there's a couple of other ones that I'm involved with, but I've always been involved with that, either helping other people produce projects uh, or, you know, I'm one of those people that sees a connection. So I just make the connection and don't want mm-hmm. anything out of it. They go, Oh, that person could work. Oh, that would work well. So I've just been kind of one of those people that have facilitated, if you like, um, relationships for productions as well, which it, it's always paid me back handsomely and, goodwill or whatever you know yeah. so for me that part of it i've spent a lot of time doing this doing zoom calls and zoom meetings pitching shows and working on projects and helping other people with their projects and writing bits of stuff you know or, um so I've, I've it's really not been that difficult you know
2: well again glad glad to hear it glad it's working out for you yeah
1: well it's like improvise adapt and overcome there's no point the moaning mm-hmm. about it get on with it you know what i mean? Um, mm-hmm. It, it's it. we are where we are in this. And I've always had that thing, you know, just going, well, you make the best of it. You know what I mean? And whatever life throws at you, you just tackle it and, and try and make a positive thing out of it. Yeah. For me, the glass will, the, the Guinness glass will always be half full. It's never half empty. It's always, it's I'm always full. You know, and, uh, you know, if it's tough, when it's tough, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. Except there's no outside street to go shopping anymore. There you go. So you've got to do it online. <laughs> I've,
2: I've done plenty of
1: it. i actually show yeah, you, do. Show if, you if, something after getting here now. Can just just so you then? know, I've got mates of mine that have been filming, even in the middle of the pandemic, and what they're doing and what we've had to do with one of the projects that I'm involved with, which is a film, um, is come up with a concept whereby we can, and this is what they're doing now, I won't tell you who, it, but it's an ongoing show. that just finished filming in Canada. And what they do is you fly in, you get tested, you're isolated for two uh, weeks to make sure that you... Then you go into the bubble, which is a hotel which they take over, where all the crew, all the cast, everybody is in that hotel. They're not allowed out. They can't go out to the pub. They mm-hmm. get their food in there. They are isolated within that bubble. And they uh, get picked up by the same driver that is also in the bubble. They go to the set. They film on the set with the same people. They don't go off the set. They stay in that bubble. They get in the same wagon with the same driver. They all go to the same hotels and they stay in the hotel. Food is brought to them. Everything they need, their laundry is done within that bubble. And they keep Sounds the nice. virus on the outside. So even in these situations, the people have been able to shoot stuff. It costs more, obviously, and you have to have a higher insurance for, for, for medical issues. But um, even during this time, things have been shot and completed.
2: Yeah, I was on set for the last jewel, and they got finished up. They were they were militant about masks. Apparently, I had the wrong mask one day, and they're ready to fucking murder me.
1: What was done?
2: Um, the last jewel. Okay, and I'll show you what I had. It's the exact same one. Um, because this has a filter. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, then murders. I know it has a lot of layers. In all fairness, it's got four four layers to it and a filter. I thought, oh, I'm going to be grand. I have a state of the art one. I'll be doing okay? And then no, but they just gave me a disposable one and said, get a new one. I did. I did. I didn't complain. Um, obviously, you know, there's stuff at risk here. There's people's jobs, people's jobs. Um, you know, the, the whole industry is on show, so you got to behave yourself.
1: Yeah, we, we wear the little, you know, medical ones all the time, just going out. We go out shopping or whatever, you know, even if we're getting in the car. You
2: know,
1: we had, we actually bought some of those as well. We actually had, my wife and I had the ones with the filter and somebody said, no, the filter is actually useless because um, it actually doesn't filter. <laughs> it's yeah, not live. No, um, uh, you're actually better off wearing one of the medical, just a little paper, not paper, whatever that material they're made of, which is actually filters more than if you've got one with a big hole in the side. So mm. anyway.
2: Yeah, it's fair. Look, well, whatever you need it for. Like I've seen people going out there with basically gas masks and hazmat suits. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a bit too far. But, uh, sure. Yeah,
1: but there are clubs for that particular type of thing on a Saturday night in Dublin. If you want to go with your rubber suit and, and a gas mask, there's there's special places for that, you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. costs a bit extra for an evening out, but, you know what I mean, and then you get hosed down or sprayed down with something yeah. and, and, you know, and you know, pop. everybody's good friends at the end of the evening, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> things you'll do for a pint. Sorry, yeah, things
2: we'll do for pints. <laughs> um, I've seen some awful things people said that they do for a pint. At the moment. <laughs> Fair play to them. <laughs> I remember they did takeaway pints here, and know that was a big hit. People love that. Yeah, pints.
0: And then the T shop said no more
2: and gave yeah. out to everyone. And yeah, it, it, it... gave everyone a tap on the wrist and said. Yeah, yeah like was like takeaways could stay open, so they were, like oh, we'll do takeaway pints. Takeaway yeah. pints, yeah. takeaway pints, save
0: yeah, the blood. And no,
2: then so, like, I don't know were it delivery or just pick them up. Uh, I think you had to pick them up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure to be honest. Like, imagine I'm like good. four pints coming to your door, and, like oh, that's <laughs> me sorted yeah that'd be an experience
1: (laughs) (laughs) and why not that's what I say
2: yeah Well, yeah trying to make it like harder for us to drink here at the moment because obviously alcoholism is a problem Uh, we're we're pretty guilty of that in Ireland and uh, it's gone up crazy during the lockdown So they've been a bit militant on it I think it's it's fair but um, Mm. here's the thing if you make alcohol more expensive, they're still going to go for the cheapest one. You know, if you make 10 cents more expensive, that's 10 cents being taken away from the kids' food or something, if people have genuine alcohol problems. You know?
1: Well, and it's a lot of, you know, as you do when you're a young man in London or whatever, <clears throat> uh, you know, particularly if you're on a show or something, people tend to drink. You know, I I enjoy a drink. I you know I uh, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't wake up in the morning and think, well, where's where's my next shot bottle? where's the pint? Yeah, um, you know, but certainly I do enjoy uh, uh, a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. But so do the French. So you know, there you go. I don't. I as long as it's done within moderation. But I do understand mm-hmm. it can be an issue for people. And I've got mates that that have made that decision uh, just to stop drinking because it was affecting their lives. I know people that have said that to me and said, can't do it anymore. Um, and I, I, I'm sure he won't mind, but one of them, John Hurt told me once at a party because, of course, he was a famous drinker. And um, we were, again, I think it was me, Ray and Clyde, we were actually on the set of 1984. And we were watching Richard Burton and uh, John Hurt do the scene, the famous scene where he's sitting in the chair, looking out over the hills. And we actually were there watching it. And um, we got talking to one of the ADs and they were, we were there for hours and nothing moved, nothing happened at all. They were waiting for the light or something. And I got to, I said, uh, what, what are they like? I said, no, oh, I said, man, he said, they said, every day we put a bottle of rum, bottle of vodka, bottle of scotch, bottle of this, bottle of that, bottle of gin, in each wagon, about six or seven different spirits, in each wagon, and at the end of the day, it's all gone. <laughs> it's gone. And I said, oh Christ, he said, the weird thing is, they come out and they're both word perfect. They'll come out and they just two or three takes, bang, done. Yeah, bang, that, that's crazy. It's crazy, right?
2: No, sometimes you'd stumble if you, if you just had like a pint.
1: Never never mind like all those bottles. And I bumped I saw I saw John at a party and I said, You won't remember, uh, probably. But I said, We came down to see you. He said, No, lovey, I've got no idea. I don't remember any of that period at all. But I got <laughs> wiped out. And I said, But I heard that you stopped drinking, you're not not doing it anymore. I said, No, love, I had to I had to give it up, you yeah. know. I said, What 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 was the switch in your head? He said, Lovey. It was getting in the way. It was getting in the way, and I love my business. I love what I do, and it was just getting in the way. So it just had to go. And I think there's a switch for some people. You know, they just some people can do it cold turkey. Some people need help, and some people mm. can just go. No, it's getting in the way. It's just not. It's not helping me do what I want to do. So yeah,
2: then, and I mean, power to those people. Yeah. Um, you know, the drink is a is a it's a curse at times, but you know, mm. if you can get you a fair play.
0: We had uh, we had Dr. Rob Kelly on. He's a addictionologist, and he was severely addicted to drink. Where he lost his family and his house, and now he's a self-made millionaire. Like he's, yeah. he's well,
2: he, he said he was Gordon Gordon Ramsay's best man as well. Mm.
0: He, uh, helped he helped
2: Robert, Robert Downey Jr. get get off uh, drugs or whatever. Same with Eminem. Like he's,
0: he's yeah. amazing.
1: But there is, and again, I've done quite a lot of work in recovery in Los Angeles with people. You know, I know a lot of people who are you know, famous who have, have had issues and stuff. And again, I don't, I don't really, you know, it's their business. I don't really talk about it, but I've done a lot of work with a lot of folks. Some of them, obviously, I've, I've talked about. You know, China, the wrestler, was, was uh, a close pal of mine. We, we, we helped her for years and years and years. But there's just some people that, no matter what you do, no matter how sober they become for a while, you know the, the least thing can push them back into that corner, and and all you can do is fight for them and help them and support them and try and do that, but they have to um, make that decision for themselves. That's, yeah,
2: that, that's a big thing.
1: And one of the one of the stories that I tell because it's true is um, I was we had to go to New York to try and find somebody to bring them back to LA, and and we'd gone up there to try and talk this person to coming back. And I got picked up by this guy uh, at LAX to go back to uh, the rehab where these people were because they wanted a report of whether, you know what we'd been doing and stuff. So I'd gone up back, was being driven back by this guy. And um, a guy sitting in, sitting in this van, driving it back. And uh, he looked at me and he went, he said, uh, you a normie, ain't you? And I went, yeah, I'm a normie. He said, yeah, I'm a normie, yeah. Uh, he, he said, how do you know? He said, oh, I just can tell looking at you. He said, I know you're normie." I said, yeah, I can have a drink. Don't have to have a drink. Stop and have a drink. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't do it. I've never done any drugs I'm Not my interest in it, you know. Um, I said, what about you? And he said, oh, man, I was, you know, under there for, for, for 15 years or something. So I said, "What? can I ask you a personal question? He said, yes. Can I, what was your bottom? I hear a lot about people talking about hitting the bottom. So I'm curious to know what your, what your bottom was. Because I don't know what really that would be. And he said, well, I was driving around South Central Los Angeles. I was dealing drugs and I had two friends of mine sitting in the front of the car that were school, you know, hood friends that I'd gone to school with. And one was driving the car so that I could deal with what I was dealing with. Another guy was riding shotgun, security for me. And I had one last delivery to do. He said, so I had a, what's your money and I'm not only that and he said you have to get your head around this as an addict I had drugs for us for the weekend left over I'd sold stuff made money so I had money and drugs for the weekend for us we were going to party and I'd still I'd still got stuff left over and he said so i go to this last thing and we do this last deal and we pulled off onto a side road so that, you know, I could just count up the money and look at the drugs we've got left and what we're gonna do for the weekend. I got two guys sitting in the front of the car. I'm standing in the back of the car. And um, these are school boy friends I got in the same school. with. And they turned round and they emptied their guns into me. They shot me five or six times. And I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, I've got a bullet hole through here. I've got a bullet hole he showed me. One went through there. I've got a bullet through my shoulder. It went through my shoulder. One went through my, bounced off my rib cage. He had like five bullet holes in him, right? And he said, I said, holy shit. He said, they wanted the drugs. They wanted the money. My own, my own guys shot me, dragged me out of my own Cadillac and left me in the gutter to die, stole my car and drove away, leaving me bleeding in the gutter with five bullet wounds. I went, holy crap! That is a bottom. That I've never heard anything like that. That is a bottom. He went,
2: absolutely. That that's was, like some Breaking Bad shit right there. Like
1: that's. He said, that's "That wasn't the bottom. That wasn't the bottom." I said, "You don't need to tell me anymore. You don't need to tell me anymore." So people have the. Everybody's got their own, you know, bottom that they hit. I guess.
2: Yeah. Uh, I hope someone's keeping track of how many times we said bottom, but you know. Bottom. Yeah.
1: Very important. Very important word.
2: Very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really rough, and so some people just have it that way. Um, again, I guess I've never hit the bottom that bad. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're all on the same boat there that we're, we haven't been shot five times, robbed, and our car stolen.
1: No. Okay. Um, Not I, had, I had a, a nasty uh, sausage roll in Tesco's once that made me feel a bit queasy but other than that I've you know, been
2: Oh my god and
0: Beth, <laughs> Which story is more tragic
2: I ask uh, Yeah yeah. there you go Tesco sausage rolls, you wouldn't trust them as far as you control them
1: you got to be careful, <laughs> you you be careful.
2: It's oh a rough god. world out there you know? It is but you know, with people like Mark Ryan out here we'll be safe no. Mark, Mark it's been a pleasure talking to you today I'm glad we've had you on Oh, um, Any time, you know. We
1: played it and missed with the emails a bit, but it's all because of what's been going on over Christmas uh, and the New yeah. So, you know, I've had a very interesting life. You know, I mean, if you want to ask me back in time, I'll just talk to you. for now. Right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Eventually, you'll just what happens to normal normally is that people just kind of go into like a comatose state because they're just listening to, and they go, "I can't take anymore. Can, can you stop him talking?" stop him talking don't tell me another story
2: well i think we had you matched because that's all we that's all we do yeah, we talk so there you go um, later in the year later
1: oh, in the year that's me about. i'll tell you some more 100%. We're
2: happy to have you on again yes and mark if people want to check you out where can they find you uh
1: um uh, right at the moment we've got uh, uh, an autograph thing going on if you I, i'm on facebook and i'm on twitter as well and I, I do have a thing on Instagram, and at the moment I'm actually doing a promotion for uh, a photographer, um, for Transformers. So if you go to my Instagram, uh, which is uh, Mark Ryan official, or the official Mark Ryan, I can remember which way around it is. You'll find me, because there's pictures of, of me there. Um, and we're doing we're doing that. We're looking at doing another pilgrim, uh, the following uh, up of the other pilgrim after the story uh, this year with Mike Grell, my mate Mike Grell, top man, top top artist. And we've got another few things going on out there at the moment. So, but you can find me either on, on Twitter, um, I think, uh, Mark Ryan two four three, um, uh, Instagram official Mark Ryan, or, or Facebook. You'll find me on Facebook. But uh, you know, I've got a few projects floating about out there at the moment. So, yeah. mm. come,
2: support! come support. There you go. Well, they know where to find you. So again, Mark, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, guys. Uh, thank Thanks you everyone for much.
2: watching or listening. And uh, as we say, have a good one. Take it easy. Top of the morning, lads and ladies. Support for the Off the Irish podcast is now brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and you'll no longer need the look of the Irish with the ladies. Make every day feel like St. Patrick's Day for your balls with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code IrishPod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped, and use code IrishPod. Use the right tools for the job and trim your pant potatoes.